A reading from the beginning of the book of the prophet Haggai. On the first day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to the governor of Judah, Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, and to the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak. Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then this word of the Lord came through Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you to dwell in your own paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but have brought in little. You have eaten, but have not been satisfied. You have drunk, but have not been exhilarated. Have clothed yourselves, but not been warmed. And whoever earned wages earned them for a bag with holes in it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up into the hill country, bring timber, and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and receive my glory, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. The Lord takes delight in his people. Sing to the Lord a new song of praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in their maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. The Lord takes delight in his Let them praise his name in the festive dance. Let them sing praise to him with tremble and harp. For the Lord loves his people, and he adorns the lowly with victory. Let them sing for joy upon their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. This is the glory of all his faithful. Hallelujah. Phobiscum Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucum.
Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. And he was greatly perplexed because some were saying, John has been raised from the dead. Others were saying, Elijah has appeared. Still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. But Herod said, John, I beheaded. Who then is this about whom I hear such things? And he kept trying to see him. Verbum Domini. These last few days in the cycle of readings that we've had from Ezra, it's been these most dramatic events in the history of Israel. We had the Babylonian captivity in 586 BC. Uh, the Israelites, due to failure to live the covenant, were taken, were conquered by the Babylonians, hauled off to Babylon where they would be for about 50 years and it was just cataclysmic, devastating event where the city of Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple is completely destroyed. But then in 538 BC, about 50 years later, uh, the, the Persians came and conquered the Babylonians. Cyrus the Great conquered them and, and proclaimed this edict that they were going to let all these deported peoples of this kingdom. He had conquered that, that known world at that time, and released them from captivity, and they were brought back. And the Jews honored him for this. Isaiah speaks of him as being God's anointed one, the deliverer. And this was all prophesied, of course, as coming exile, and then the return. Punishment due to sin, and then the return. And we see different conquerings, exiles that happened to the Israelites, of course, Exodus with Moses, they're held in bondage for over 400 years. God delivers them through Moses, taken into the desert, given the Ten Commandments, formed as a people, given the promised land. And it's a typology, a beautiful image of salvation for us that comes in its fullness in Christ, that he is the deliverer from sin and death. These are images of deliverance, we could say. I mean, real deliverance in a worldly way, but Jesus gives us even greater liberation, of course, salvation. So they come back, 538, King Zerubbabel begins at once to rebuild the temple. But then, because of the Samaritans, we're told in the scriptures, that they wanted to come and be part of this building project and worship. They wanted to worship with the Israelites. Now, the Samaritans were from the northern kingdom that was demolished in 722 BC by the Assyrians, and they were just hauled off and never to return. The Assyrians repopulated with, with pagan nations, so their worship had become diluted and polluted. So 
the Judeans in the South had nothing, they didn't want anything to do with that worship that had been polluted. So that we're told that the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. 17 years they halted the rebuilding of the temple. Instead, they focused on rebuilding their homes, restoring their farmlands, and today in the reading, Haggai rebukes them, the prophet at that time, for living in paneled houses. I'm dated by love paneling. It looks good in homes. <laughs> they would put the tiles in their homes and putting this great care in their homes and forgetting to focus on the temple first. And we have this prophecy, you've sown much, have brought in little, eaten, have not been satisfied, drunk but not exhilarated, clothed but not warmed. And it's such a, it's a powerful image of our lives. If Jesus isn't the center, if he isn't the focus, life loses its exhilaration, its joy, its fulfillment, its peace. The world can't deliver for us what we hunger spiritually in our hearts. We, we are incarnate thirst, as Father Thomas Dubay used to tell us. Incarnate thirst. We hunger for the spiritual. We can try to throw worldly things, material things, into that emptiness inside, but it doesn't satisfy us. So they were failing to properly honor God. They're not satisfied. And even economically, they're struggling in the rebuilding. But then they did, with the prophet Haggai exhorting them, they did begin reconstruction of the temple in 520 and completed in 515 uh, BC, in 445 BC. Under Nehemiah, they had the reconstruction of the wall to protect the city, and that's another beautiful aspect. You know, Nehemiah is reading the law to them as they're fi finishing this building project to protect this holy city of Jerusalem and the temple. By virtue of our baptism, the lay faithful share in the priesthood of Christ. We speak of him as being a priest, prophet, and king. That we are anointed in baptism. The ordained minister shares in the, in the priesthood and a, a difference in kind, the church says, you know, and, and sharing in the priesthood of Christ the head. But due to baptism, especially confirmation, the lay faithful share in this royal priesthood and the prophetic role of Christ to witness to the gospel, to give example of that gospel living, and Vatican II says very clearly, yes, primarily by witness of your lives, but also through word, to share the testimony of the gospel with others. And also, we share in this kingly role of Christ. He's a fulfillment of the Davidic line of kings. It was prophesied that, that you know, the house of David would have no end. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He comes from the line of David. So the lay faithful also share in that authority and that kingship, and it's exercised through service. And I was reading recently the, the document, it's a post-synodal address by John Paul II on the role of the lay faithful. 
And he, when he talks about the kingly role, he says the first duty above all is in the spiritual combat in which we are to seek to overcome in ourselves the kingdom of sin and then to serve in justice and charity the least. We, ex we express that kingly role through service, service of the least in charity and justice. But I took note of that the first duty is that spiritual combat to overcome sin in ourselves. And I think it connects to the readings today because of course Jesus is the fulfillment of the temple. He says that in the gospel, destroy this temple three days I will rebuild it. Referring to himself it says that he is the new temple, the new place that we can offer right worship to God, especially in the Eucharist. We're entering into his prayer to the Father that we, as Peter says in his letters, that we are living stones, you know, built into this temple to offer spiritual worship to God, united to Jesus. And that kingly role, that, that spiritual part must come first, you know, in our work to restore creation to its original value, governed by a life of grace. And of course, all this is being communicated to us in the sacraments, baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist. We're given that grace, that strength. In Advent, we often hear that phrase from Isaiah, oh, that wouldst thou rend the heavens and would come down. Come down, you know, rend the, tear open the heavens and come down. We hear these prophetic words, but in Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God, comes down to restore creation, to renew us, that we're joined to Him, that in Him we have this right worship, that it's a word of power that comes to us in the prophets, that yes, He comes down in the womb of the, the Virgin Mary, He comes down to us in our sacramental life in the church, and that we're called to be this new temple built into living stones. And we have the same temptations that the Jews did you know, 2,500 years ago. We can take our eyes off the ball. We can lose that priority of the spiritual side of our life. Abbot Vanier and Henri Dulebach, Dulebach quoting him, would talk about a spiritual worldliness that can infect the church where our efforts, our moral values can be oriented to the profit of man, could have this anthropological center and focus and not be for the glory of God, that I'm doing and living for Christ, that he's the meaning of my existence, he's the goal, he's the one that guides all our efforts and everything. You know, in, in Haggai, his first reading, it only has two chapters. You know, he's, he's considered a minor prophet. He's prophesying during this time of Israel. We had chapter one. Chapter two has this wonderful section where he's exhorting the people. And he says, take courage, O Zerubbabel, the king, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. 
Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit abides among you. Fear not. Fear not. My spirit abides among you. How much more can we say that today through our sacramental lives? The spirit of God dwells within us, that we become these temples of God, united to Christ. So take courage. Take courage. Don't give up working in your personal lives on overcoming sin, on being holy. We know our faults and weaknesses. You know, if we're regular with confession, we're examining our lives. It's before us what we have to work on. Don't substitute other things for that. Be about that work. And yes, it takes courage. It takes effort. It takes perseverance. We stumble and fall, and we need to get up again, repenting and asking God for help and grace. It takes humility. Now, maybe the fruit of our falls and you know, returning to sin might be to grow in our distrust of ourselves and a greater trust in God, that I can't do this of my own strength. I need God's help. Maybe that's uh, the ladder, but St. Maximilian Colby talks about this, this ladder to heaven of humility and trust that we're growing in in our struggle. But if we give up the struggle, we're not growing. I tell people that in confession. You know, where there's struggle, there's some life. You know, we're working on stuff. And God's grace poured upon us gives us that desire for him. We even need grace to want to do good. And that comes to us through his word and sacraments. May we be faithful to the Lord's call in our life in this renewal and conversion of hearts.